Hi, this is Judy with another podcast with my magical mystery marketing guy, Anthony, um, who will be interviewing me today. How are you doing today, Judy? I'm doing well. Good. I'm sorry my cat is sounding very needy, and apologies if you keep hearing this little meow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great, thank you. Good good, good girl, Cleo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, What's the topic of the day? Well, I wanted to mostly talk about some of the interactions I've had with parents this past week. I think one of the wonderful things about writing a blog and getting it out to the people who live near here and live near me is that I get to see them. And I literally get stopped on the street, on the ski trail. People come into the store um, to talk about their responses to the to the blog post and how much it's helped them. And this week was particularly packed with people who, who came to talk to me. And I just wanted to share what those interactions were like and also um, the kind of message that I'm getting from parents about what they really need. Well, I think it's kind of awesome that uh, you put information out to people. And that you have such a loyal following here locally. Um, but you get it from people. You get emails as well. You don't just get oh, people. Oh, no, I get emails from people all over the place, yeah, yeah. which is great. But it's what, I love the, the one-on-one where we can actually really talk about stuff. And mm-hmm. Well, great. That, that way it's, it's a heck of a lot more of a learning experience, I would think, for you too. Absolutely, yeah. So what specifically uh, were you thinking about? Was there one incident in particular? Well, there were actually three okay. um, around the same topic, and it, it came out of the, those three um, blogs I wrote about stress. I had two parents came in. One person um, had uh, a little girl who just would routinely have a pretty rough time in the store when she had to leave. It was pretty intense and very difficult for the mom, and she felt a lot of shame around it, embarrassment around it. And you know, we talked about it a lot, and it didn't it didn't quite do it. And then when the blog came out about stress, it just really, really got her thinking about what was really going on with her little girl. And one of the things I talked about in those stress blogs was the kinds of, for some kids, the pressure of a group experience, um, be it daycare or preschool or school, is just more than they can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what you, what the options you can do around that. And what this mom decided was that she was actually going to take her child out of preschool or daycare, I can't remember which it was, and see what happens. So before you go too far, how, yeah. how old was her daughter? Three. Oh, three, okay. Three. So she decided to do that. And people, you know, she got all this feedback. Oh, you shouldn't do that. You can't let her rule the roost. You know, just it's, she's playing on you, da 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 She decided to just hold true to herself and say, maybe this really is an issue for her daughter. So she did take her out. And she said it was like instant turnaround in behavior. Like she could not believe how much easier her daughter became to live with, how responsible, how cooperative she became, how pleasant she was to be around, and that she really recognized that she was a sensitive little kid and she couldn't handle her preschool environment, which might have been totally fine and wonderful for lots and lots of kids. And still for her little girl, it wasn't working. And she just she just got the courage up to do that. And she got a lot of really bad response from people. Um, for doing that, that, you know, she was being told that her daughter was manipulative and controlling. And if she lets this happen too much, her daughter's going to become like power hungry, all this kind of stuff. And um, so she just came in to tell me how much better life was, you know, and that she was just going to really go with what she feels is right for her little girl. Hmm. And would would you say that the, the experience of uh, her daughter is... Um is is it that kind of thing where she's actually going to miss out if she doesn't stay in preschool or that uh, she would be better served if she didn't actually participate in something like that? I- 
I think it's so, it varies so much. I mean, I taught preschool for years and, you know, I, I, I do believe it's wonderful, but sometimes we had kids who it just didn't work for. And there was sometimes I would say to a parent, you know, this is, he, you know, he's just not ready for it or she's not ready for it. And let's just, you know, give it another year or whatever. And rather than pushing it on, cause she could see the kids was just struggling so much and stressed out that it wasn't worth it. And if the parent was able to do that, um, you know, she wasn't working or was in school, or whatever, and she or he did that, it, it made a huge difference. And the next year the child could come back and was fine. Um, right. right. I mean, it's, it, it sounds like she's, um, the concerns about their, her daughter being uh, manipulative. Um, I mean, in a way, I think the daughter was, she was trying to get some kind of attention that says, Hey, this isn't the right place for me. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe not that's uh, a negative connotation that most people would have towards uh, the daughter's behavior, but the daughter was only doing what she knew how to do by acting out. And absolutely. And, and, and I just stay away from the word manipulative. It's, it's, it's not, she doesn't consciously, there's no way that she has the cognitive capacity okay. to think, oh, well, maybe if I fall apart at Mountain Baby, um, my mother will take me out of preschool. Like it, they just don't think like that. They can't think like that. Right, right. Um, it's just that if there's a big stressor in a kid's life, it will show up. And it takes a while sometimes to figure out what it is because the preschools here are really good. So she was probably in a really lovely setting. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the mom wouldn't think, oh, it must be the preschool because it wasn't, it wasn't that obvious. She just, she just got a flash of insight after thinking about and reading the blog about what the kinds of things and stressors that kids have, that maybe that is an issue for her little girl. Right. Um, but I, I think, you know, kids just simply do not have the intellectual capacity to say, mm, I think I'm going to fall apart. It, they, it just doesn't work like that. It's like something just triggers inside them emotionally. They do not have the neocortex development that we have. Right. Um, and they just fall apart. So they don't, they can't plan this out. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. just can't. They just don't have the brain capacity to do that. Right. Did you get any sense from her daughter or did you just meet the mom? Well, her daughter came in and just came in and played in the store and it was time to go. She just left. <laughs> it was like easy peasy. And that, that was different. Totally different. Hmm. Yeah. She's, I mean, a lot of kids fall apart when they're leaving because it's really hard to leave Mountain Baby, you know. And, and uh, sure. there was a, a woman in the store yesterday who... A little, a little two-year-old was having a total meltdown because she had to leave, and her mom just, you know, picked her up and held her and nurtured her, and you know, was just. And eventually, she just calmed down. Like she got, she kept saying, "I know you're having a hard time." But a woman walked out of the store at that point. I just, I saw her leave, and then she came back later in the afternoon, and she looked around. And she said, "Okay, I can be in here now." Hmm. And um, she said, "I have no kids. I just can't take that." And I said. I, you know, I understand. I said, but it's really hard for kids to leave here because it's a place that they're totally welcome in. There aren't that many places in the world where kids are totally welcome and they feel safe and they can play and it's, it's hard to go and they don't have the capacity to just say, okay, I'm ready to go now because it doesn't usually happen. Right. Right. They don't, they don't have that sort of, um, I was going to say mature kind no, of, uh, no purview on things. Right? Yeah. And sometimes kids do like if they're hungry, if they're not hungry, if they're not tired, if they've been given lots of warning that it's time to go, it's way easier to get them out the door. But if they happen to be, you know, walking on Baker street all day and they are tired and they are hungry and then they have to leave, it's like, boop, that's it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's over. So, okay. Well, you said that there was uh, three yeah. particular incidents, right? So that, that was one. Right. That was one. And another one, a woman who came in who had um, she had been buying those those new chewable things we have in the store for kids who have who just like chewing their clothes and chewing in their everything. Right. So for the sake of people who, who don't know what them. they are. Okay. So jewelry 
is um, this this product that has been created for children who have just a lot of stress and nervousness, and they tend to um, chew their clothes and chew their pencils, and this is just chewing, chewing, chewing all the time. And so these things were designed to um, to wear the child to wear around their neck, and it's a healthy silicone totally non-toxic thing that they can just take all that pent-up energy and just chomp on it. It's not going to break. It's not going to go, but it really helps them to get settled. Mm-hmm. And they're selling like hotcakes in the store. Um, and anyway, this woman had had come in and bought one for her child. And and then she you know, also had read, um, her child was in elementary school, in an in a alternative school, even a, you know, a, a very loved and appreciated alternative school. And she said that she didn't understand, you know, why he was so stressed and everything because it was a really good school. And and then she just finally said, well, maybe I should look at this and just, you know, sort of gather up the courage to say, I think I'm going to take him out and see what happens. So she did. And she said the whole chewing thing just boom, instant. It was gone. Wow. And so um, how old was her son? I think seven. Did she actually have a conversation with her son about the whole thing before she decided to do that? Do you know the process? I, I don't know the process. So <clears throat> we didn't really have time to talk about it. Right. But she said it was it, it was just getting, and, I, and I'm not saying to people, kick your kids out of school or whatever, but the, you know, sometimes kids are really, 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 really struggling. And it just takes courage to say, okay, I need to do something about it and take some action about it because you know he's not sleeping, he's acting out all the time, he's chewing on his clothes all the time, like what's going on here, you right. know? Was there any conversation about what she decided to do instead? Well, I guess she's just going to homeschool for a while. And maybe as he, you know, when he's a little older and he's more settled or more capable or whatever, she'll she'll put him back in school or not or choose to homeschool. Right. You know. Yeah. But still, for her to have the, the courage to do that, I'm sure that she too probably got the gruff. Oh, absolutely. From, or guff rather from Well, also people. because she's in a school, you know, he's in a school that's known as being, you know, very child-centered and all that stuff and... um you know, it's it's uh, it's it's not easy, but I think, you know, one of the things that also occurred to me just there was a whole other incident yesterday in the store. Where this woman um, was needing training pants for her son, and she was going on and on. She said, "It's just he just pees in his pants all the time, and he just won't use the toilet." And I, my husband's going nuts because his his mother told him that. He, Children should be toilet trained by eighteen months, and there's something wrong with my son if he's, you know, if he's not, and he's still peeing in his pants in the bed. And da, da, da. I assumed this kid was like five years old, and I said, "How old is he?" She said, "Well, he's almost two. And I went, "Whoa, oh!" <laughs> she said, "I know, I know, I know. It's just I'm getting so much pressure, so much pressure." And I said, "Well, you know, um, it's hard for a lot, especially boys. It's you know, it takes them longer to toilet train." And she said, "I know. I just the pressure is so intense. I just can't handle it. So I'm just really working on." And she said, "He was really interested in it until the pressure came." I said, "Well, there's there's your answer. You know, yeah, right. When the pressure came. Um, that wasn't one of the ones I was going to talk about, but it just ha- did happen to come up yesterday. You well, know, it's, it's just it's just the simple things, really. It sounds like you know people tuning into a particular situation and they probably already know the answer. They do know the answer, but but that there's all these voices coming into people telling them not to respond to their kid. You know, and what their their children are always telling them in some way. Your child is always telling you what they need." Um, you know, again, when they're falling apart, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I need to not be pressured to toilet train, but that's what it could be. Right. You know, it's like, where are you putting the pressure on your child because of outside influence? And 
and, and I think that's the thing that I'm that that most struck me was that for people to make those decisions to support their kids, they had to go against a lot of pressure mm-hmm. from other people telling them not to do that. And I guess I'm just trying to say to people, like, when you really know in your heart what your child needs, go with that. Um, that it's, it, 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 like, you know, when you really allow yourself to listen to that part of yourself, you can respond to your child and what your child needs. It, it's a challenge. It's very, very, very hard. It was, you know, a, another mom who I had helped a few weeks ago because her, her baby was nursing in a very unusual nursing pattern. And she was getting all this guff from people about, no, that's not healthy. That's not good. It's not, that's not the way they're supposed to nurse. He shouldn't nurse, you know, and he nursed a lot at night, very little during the day. And, and she didn't mind the, she didn't mind the night nursing, but everybody was telling her, this is terrible. He's not getting the right nutrition. Da, 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 da. And I said, well, what do you think? She said, well, he's healthy and he's happy. And I said, so what does it matter mm-hmm. how he's getting his nutrition and when he's getting it? If it's fine with you, and you don't mind, like, it doesn't matter what everybody else is telling you. It's like, listen to what you know. She says, well, I know this works for him. He said, okay, then it works for him. So there's, there's your answer. Is there something that, um, that parents get into or, you know, grandparents or that sort of thing that, uh, it has to be done in a certain way or else? They get into it from a lot of different places. You know, there's, I, I, I do, it's sort of a, a self, I don't know why I do it to myself, but I subscribe to a sleep training site just to see what they're saying. She sends out these emails that say, is your child not sleeping well? It's your fault. It's your fault. And it's like, what? How can you say that to people? It's like, how can you do that to people? You know, how undermining is that? And I hear parents come in and say, well, my baby doesn't sleep and I know it's my fault. I know it's my fault. So they're reading this stuff and people saying it's your fault and I'm the authority on sleep training and you coach with me and I'll teach you how to get your kid to sleep because you're doing it all wrong and you're, it's your fault. Well, in, in the example that you just, just mentioned there, I mean, she, uh, she said her kid was happy mm-hmm. and feeding. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, isn't that what really needs to happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, with breastfeeding generally, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I've just, because I've been helping moms for so long with it, I, these all these fads come and go in breastfeeding also, you know, as it does with discipline, as it does with sleep, as it does every, you know, fads come and go. And, you know, basically, if your child is healthy and thriving and gaining weight and you're not sore, it doesn't matter what the schedule is. Right. It doesn't matter how often they nurse. I mean, none of that, it doesn't matter if they're nursing upside down, hanging from the ceiling. Like, it, you know, what <laughs> What matters is your child is thriving, the child is happy, you're doing well, you're not sore and your nipples aren't bleeding. And, you know, it's like your bottom line is how's your, how's your baby doing? How are you doing? Right. Um, so that, I think that's probably example number six, but that's not the third example you were going to tell us about today, was it? <laughs> no, the third example was, was very much along the same line. It, it was a mom who said that her... Her son was in school and she couldn't, she just couldn't take him off, but he was showing, you know, terrible signs of stress. And she said, he was such a nurtured kid. I nursed him for two and a half years and we have such a close relationship, but he's really struggling, but it doesn't work for me to take him out. But I'm not putting my four and a half year old in school until I know he's really, really ready for it. And it was the same thing. She said, like, like, you know, I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, but this is where I am now. And I just... I, she's, and she also said, she said, I don't know what's going on with kids now. They are so stressed out and so strung out. Hmm. It, and it, I agree totally. And so are the parents. I mean, I think that's the big thing. The parents are so stressed out. And this pressure from what other people say and what they read on the internet and, you know, the latest thing out of 
Health Canada or whatever, you know, which sometimes is right and sometimes it's wrong. And then it's like, oh, no, we were wrong about that. Right. You know. So the, the voice of reason and authority sometimes is the, uh, the, the instigator in the stress of the absolutely, parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I, 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 I lit a Leche League meeting last week, which I hadn't done for years, and it was wonderful. And there was a mom there talking about her, her baby just would not take solace. There was nothing she could do about it. And she was told, you know, by, and I don't want to undermine health nurses, but now, the, you know, the thing is you must have your child on solids. You know, if they're not on solids by 10 months, all these dire repercussions are going to happen for them nutritionally. Da, 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 da. You know, again, that's something that's come and gone. And she said, I can't get him to eat like what I'm supposed to do. So, you know, again, I've been doing this long enough. I have known so many babies who don't eat for a long time and they're fine or they have allergies and they intuitively know. And I mentioned that. She said, well, yeah, like he's really sensitive to milk products if I drink them and wheat if I eat it. And I said, well, maybe there's your answer. Um, but again, she was so racked with guilt and the stress was so huge. Unfortunately, there were other moms in the group whose kids hadn't eaten for a while also. And, you know, she, she left feeling okay and fine. When you talk about these experiences now, it, I want to ask you, what was things like when you were a kid? Because there's an age difference here. I could speak yeah, from, yeah. from my, my perspective. <laughs> you know, there's some uh, 20 or so years between the two yeah, of us. Yeah, something like that. And, and you're only 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Couldn't resist it. Yeah, sure. Um, but I mean, I, I think about how parenting was done when I was a kid, and I, I look at the stories of how you know, the things I've heard my mom say, but what it was she did when we were, when we were mm -hmm. kids, there's the story about tying my brother to a tree via a long rope because he kept on buggering off out of the yard oh, and, and going to play out in the road. I mean, by today's standards, you know, <laughs> right. that's not something that's really kosher no, anymore. Um, but it worked. It did work. Yeah, it kept him in you the know, yard. Like the, the rules of momdom back yes. then weren't influenced by a whole bunch of things. I mean, yeah. it, and that's, that, that was, that's my initial point. I'm sure when you were a kid, there were a lot of things that sort of allowed for um, a greater sense of discovery around, oh, I don't know what the hell to do with this thing. Well, maybe I'll try this on my kid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. you know, um, that old line about, you know, we didn't wear seatbelts and helmets when we were kids, but we all turned out fine. Yeah, a lot of us died, but otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but well, something no, like that. No, you, you know, no. like, like the, the, um, uh, the pressures uh, of over-information yeah. or other influences can you speak to that? I mean, the, the, you mentioned something about nutritionally, um, the child um, needing to be on solids by 10 months. I mean, there must be some sort of basis for these sorts of ideas today yeah. compared to how they used to be when, you know, moms used to smoke while they were breastfeeding or something, right? Right, right, right. Like, I mean, we're smarter now. Yeah. But I, I don't know if there's even a question in there. But I mean, can you can you sort of um, elaborate a little bit about how, I guess, ideas have changed over the years? Wow. <laughs> they just... They just change a lot. That's all I can say. I mean, there is definitely new information that comes out that is is genuinely well researched. And like we know that you know most iron stores start to go down at nine months in a breastfed baby. They start to go down, but every little bit of iron that the baby gets through the mom's milk is completely bioavailable, and completely the baby uses all of it. Whereas if they get iron from pablum, a very tiny percentage of it is actually absorbed through the baby's gut. So maybe because iron stores go down at nine months, start to go down at nine months, people are freaked out about it and they're saying, make sure those babies are eating. So it comes from a concern and, you know, in a good place. 
it's just there is no rule that works for every baby. And um, if there's indications of, of iron deficiency and, you know, moms can get their babies tested if they need to, you know, you usually see lethargy. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of pretty clear signs of iron deficiency. And generally speaking, it's not for all babies. And if a baby's on formula, it it, it could be a totally different issue because they don't, they don't, the iron in formula is not bioavailable the way the iron in breast milk is. Um, so, you know, there's different, it's a different situation. Or if a baby's, you know, doing combination of the two, it's probably not as bioavailable. Hmm. And it's probably has some more urgency to it. Um, but generally speaking, a totally breastfed baby is getting all the nutrition they need. And it is it's good to try to introduce iron-rich foods um, to them, you know, at around six months or so. But if the baby's absolutely refusing, you can't force the baby to eat. It just sets up a really di- bad dynamic around food. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just food is just a little, food is a supplement to the breastfeeding, right? you know, or the formula for that matter, you know, it's like that that's still the core, the core food. So yeah, there is some really solid research, but there's also some really hokey research out there. Hmm. Um, and it's very hard to tell what's good research and what's solid research. And, and you can't tell that much. I mean, there are a couple of websites that I send people to um, that I totally trust because I know they're very, 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 very solidly researched. Yeah, and it, it, it's very hard to know how to parent. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's really, 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 really hard. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that we are learning from very concrete research about how children learn to feel good about themselves and um, how children learn to have a sense of confidence and a sense of adventure and have, and a big thing is a sense of compassion, um, and care, and they have values, and they have they develop some kind of a moral structure. There's a lot of really good research about that, and a lot of the older ways of parenting um, don't work in favor of those things. Mm, like yeah. they really demean they demean children, they shame children, they make them feel badly about themselves. They allow for a lot of inner rage because a lot of the old ways of child rearing made kids very very angry. Well, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about uh, different parenting methods around discipline. And yes. The, you know, uh, that was a, a real eye-opener, I think, for some people. Yeah, yeah. With the yeah. feedback that you got around how they how they interact with their child or what their child actually does. Right. When you look back at your own experience as a parent mm-hmm. uh, with young children, um, I mean, your kids now are in their 30s. Yes. You know, 30 years ago. Um, did you have the same sort of, I don't know, stress from Google? Like, were you, were you overwhelmed no, by information? No, no. I, I think my bigger stresses was my academic background and, and sometimes having conflicting views about what I should be doing in a situation. And the other stress was just, we had a lot of stress in our home. Like, we had a lot of issues that were going on in the family, you know, right. economic issues and my, my husband's depression. Like, you know, there were a lot of stuff that stress was real. And there were times where I was overstressed and I'm sure things came out of my mouth that I'm really sorry I said. Right. Um, I always apologized. I always apologized when I said something that was out of line to my kids mm-hmm. and explained that I was just, I was tired or not feeling good or whatever. Um, and I think ultimately they turned out pretty good. They have their issues too. They're not like the, you know, the, uh, peons of mental health or whatever, you know, <laughs> but they're doing really well. They're compassionate, caring, thoughtful, successful kids, you know, and I feel like they're, they're two people who are really contributing to the world. And I feel really good about that. But, I was certainly not a, a, a perfect parent. And I, and also, you know, the way I chose to parent was not, um, the typical North American way of parenting. And, you know, and I, I certainly 
did, I think partly because of being involved in La Leche League and I think partly because my parts of my academic background and I knew the research, I knew the research and it's old research, which is keeping confirmed over and over and over and over again, that punitive child rearing and punitive discipline where you shame and blame and isolate children only breeds anger and self-hatred and they, people grow up and look at the world. That's all I can say is look at the world. Um, it's just filled with people who are so filled with rage and when you feel good about yourself, you're not racist and you're not violent and you're not, hmm. you know, you're just not. Right. Well, I, I you know, ultimately, I mean, with the, the different podcasts that we've had and the, I guess the discussions we've had around mm-hmm. child rearing, I mean, it's it's occurred to me that there's no one perfect way to, to, to raise a child. You know, um, there's so many different ideas and variables that are out there. Yeah. But ultimately, there should be some... Um, Ultimately, there should be some sort of appreciation for what's right in front of you. you know, yes. Whatever it is that the child is actually doing, like yes. ne- needing to tune into that. Totally, totally. Yeah. And 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 the biggest, in some ways, the biggest variable is who your particular child is. Hmm. You know, I remember in, in, in this one daycare I, w- I worked in where there was a little girl, Yolanda, who I will never forget, who was one of the most sensitive kids I'd ever met in my life. And if she was doing something that she shouldn't be doing, I literally just looked her in the eyes and she went, okay. And she knew she needed to stop what she was doing. I just looked at her. That mm. was it. And then there were other kids who just were so tuned out, you know, that I, the only way they would hear me is if I got down to the level and took both of their shoulders and sometimes even took their head and said, watch me while I'm talking to you. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Because it was so hard for them because they were probably yelled at all the time, you know, and and for, for me to just be talking to them in a kind and compassionate way, they couldn't hear it unless I was like right in their face. Wow. You know, and some kids are like that. Like they're just so, you know, high strung and high energy and it's really hard for them to settle down. Sometimes you just need to do that very quiet, you know, very compassionate, but here, I'm talking to you. Listen, okay. Wow. Not making them feel bad about who they are. So with these experiences that you had over the past week, I mean, mm-hmm. certainly that reinforces more of the ideas that you've been sharing all along mm-hmm. about tuning into your child and, and doing what's right by them, listening to your heart. Listening to your heart. Yeah. It's very hard. I mean, if you, especially if your family's on your case and your friends are on your case and everybody's on you, it's very, very hard to stay true to what you feel good. And, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I often say to moms, like, you got to find friends who support you. You have to hang out with people who, who support you and how you're parenting. Because if someone is, if people are trashing you all the time, that's awful. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just demeaning and demolishing and you feel shame and you feel inadequate and it's a, it's a terrible place to be. Mm-hmm. So the upshot of all of these experiences, I mean, certainly all the, the extra ones that we've thrown in here, plus the three that you had this past week, is yeah. there some sort of uh, takeaway or idea that you had on that? I think there's a couple of things. One is just that you are your child's ally. You have to be your child's ally and your child has very little control over their behavior and their responses and their reactions. And you're the one who's giving them a role model, um, for how they, when they're a little older, they can actually be. And, you know, the earlier you start that with them, the earlier it will happen for them. And the other thing is to, to just listen to what the voices in your head, you know, what voices are in your head and who are they coming from? And are they your voices or is it the voice of everybody else around you or the things you're reading on the internet or in books or whatever? Those are the the loud voices. And what you want to get to is that still quiet voice inside of yourself that tells you what do you really, really feel here? 
You know your child better than anybody else in the world. And you need to see what works for your child. And, and to know that shaming and blaming and isolating and punishing are destructive. There's a wonderful book that I just got. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago. It's called Discipline Without Damage. And it's a, it's a really wonderful book. I picked it up at Otter. Um, if you're local, you can get it there. So sorry, um, what's the title of the book? It's Dis- called Discipline Without Damage. And the author is Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. And she's a psychologist who works with, with children and families. Discipline Without Damage, How to Get Your Kids to Behave Without Messing Them Up. Yeah. That should be mandatory reading, I would think. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very, very good. It's, it's a little dense, like so many books are, but um, just, just getting the feel of what she's talking about. And, and I have to say, like, she talks very much about, about, she talks about hulking up as a parent um, and just really claiming your, your parental capacity, both to be there for your kid and also to guide your kid. That if you don't, you know, give your kid clear, and that's a whole other podcast, but, you know, your kids really need, you can call them boundaries or, or some kind of containment for their behavior because they don't have it naturally. And, and you have to be there for them to provide that. And that's, that's part of hulking up as a parent. And the other part of hulking up as a parent is really being there as your child's ally. Um, and I, I really love what she's talking about. And she's a, she's based all her stuff on brain research and oh. what we know about children's brains. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get her on a podcast. That would be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'd be into that. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to touch wood to make sure that that actually happens. Yeah. Um, it's been a pretty dynamic conversation today mm-hmm. talking about all kinds of great, wonderful things around kids. Any last thoughts? Um, I just have so much compassion for parents. It, I, it, I mean, people always say it's the hardest job in the world. It truly, truly is the hardest job in the world. It's just, it changes from day to day. It changes from minute to minute. It's like there's no other job that, that requires that kind of level of response. And, uh, and parents are exhausted and tired and just, uh, my heart goes out to you. Absolutely. And, um, let people know as well, too, that if you do have any sort of questions or ideas, um, concerns, that sort of thing. Judy is always open to hearing from you. I love to hear from you. Actually. Yeah. Um, you can get to her, uh, Judy Banfield at gmail.com, or, um, you can just reply to the, uh, podcast here. Good conversation today, Judy. Thanks. Okay, thank you. <laughs>